what i and this is this is a one of those rare moments where i will compliment you where i <laughs> i i remember when i started this thing i was thinking like where am i going to get uh, so much information from you know to cover in these things and luckily i have such friends like you who have just done these incredible uh, things you know which we can talk about and people are genuinely interested in this stuff yeah you're giving me the middle finger okay so <laughs> welcome to another episode of the two bros podcast anya kapoor pleasure to have you pleasure to be here how are you doing today how's your friday um i went to sleep at 10 am in front of the tv yesterday that is epic which is my weekend uh <laughs> woke up in the morning went to have breakfast just came back home mm-hmm. and in a bit i'm heading out for brunch so so far so good i guess so if you do breakfast do you have to follow it up with brunch as well because brunch is so breakfast is solid food brunch is mostly liquid if you know what i'm trying to say oh of course very good excellent leading by example yeah so sanya the reason i've called you on this podcast Yes, please tell me. I'm very curious to know why you called me for this podcast. It's very interesting because I, I mean, I, I can't even tell you how many times people have told me uh, that they want to start their own business. One, second is they want to move abroad, and it's come to a point where everybody says it and nobody actually does it. But you, my friend, have actually done both of these things. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about that. We want to talk about that. Let's 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 go back to the year of 2010 was it? 2011 where a young Sanya Kapoor got out of college and got her first job. Yes. Talk us talk us through that journey to the point where you basically decided to start your own thing. Tell us tell us what was going on. Cool. So once I started working after MBA, mm-hmm. uh, I was working for this firm. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Tech Mahindra. Of course everybody knows Tech Mahindra. What are you talking about? Okay. Oh. I was a lowly management intern over there, mm-hmm. and uh, where did you do your MBA from? Can't remember. Neither can I. Let's see what happens. Go on. Yeah. So once I started working with these guys, I realized that I really enjoyed solving problems that mm-hmm. so far I had never faced. I mean, that's the case with most people who start doing new jobs, right? You're learning new things, and the minute you start finding out that you're actually decent at something. Mm-hmm. that's validation that you've not received in your educational academic career so you tend to get more uh, into it so and i was really you're in, you're in pune at this point is it yeah i was in pune at this point mm-hmm. and i became that's when the workaholism started mm-hmm. i feel um because i loved the fact that projects depended on me i loved the fact that if i didn't do something millions and millions and dollars dollars worth of business is going to come to a grinding halt mm-hmm. and i was just not that important you know and i am a management trainee at this point so how important could i possibly have been in such a inflated sense of self at that point mm-hmm. fast forward to about a year i realized that um i had this incredible opportunity to work for this uh, startup but wait let's and, let's let's not skip ahead so fast just uh, for a guy like me who who's got no idea about uh, this world at all what what kind of projects were you handling what what's your work like what i was doing there was i was working in this team called the global alliances and partnerships team okay mm-hmm. that means that so what tech mantra does is let's say at&t or british telecom wants to set up a new sort of product or a new setup for providing services at that time we were doing 3g implementation mm-hmm. imagine back in 2011 right mm-hmm. uh, so they want to set up new uh, what are they called 
spectrums, mm-hmm. the 3D spectrum yeah, and all yeah, that shit. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So what Technandra would do would it will would it would provide the software and the hardware for the data centers, for the service, for security, for disbursement, all of that. Mm-hmm. Essentially, a systems integrations company. I was responsible for making sure that the relationships are in place with the providers. Mm-hmm. So the providers in this case are Oracle, Microsoft, HP. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of other brands that we may not even have heard of. I hadn't till then, but then they are like Fortune 500 companies. Mm-hmm. So I was working with these guys on a daily basis, ensuring that I am passing on the requirements to them. Because how it works in technology is that the more business I give you, the better rates I get. Mm-hmm. So I had to actually look at every project that Techmandra was doing, see every HP, Microsoft, Oracle piece going into it. Mm-hmm. Collectively, give them a price and say that I am giving you 30 million dollars worth of business this quarter. Right? 30 million so in return. Yeah, this quarter. Okay, okay. Right? Only, <laughs> okay. Only, only the geographies that I was covering. Mm-hmm. So you, my friend, need to give me support in these, these, these countries for these, these technologies and for these clients. Mm-hmm. And uh, used to send our tenders in concert with these guys, right? So there was a lot of legal work involved. Mm-hmm. So, in order to make sure that I could do my job, I was also working with the legal team, setting up contracts with all of these companies, making sure that they were passed on to the right teams, taking the information, sending them back to the client. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by the end of the time when the delivery happens, if I haven't done my job and even one component has not been set up correctly, the entire project would just wait. Oh, that yeah. when Alliance looks after this, then we'll start to proceed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so while I didn't do anything directly, like with the project, but I was responsible for the entire corporate relations piece. Basically a facilitator. You get the job done, isn't it? I get the, I was the bridge I was the catalyst. You were the catalyst. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. So where, where do you go from there? So where you go from there is that you basically, from the alliances team, you go into the corporate office, which is where, um, you know, you deal with tech Mahindra level issues. Mm-hmm. Like globally, where are we setting up? What's going to be our, our uh, system integration strategy? How many teams do we need? Is there a new technology coming up? So I was actually headed towards the innovation space. With the way things were going, the kind of information I was getting, I was supposed to start working in a team called the Global Leadership Cadre, mm-hmm. which is like the select set of people that work in the Mahindra and Mahindra group, not just in Tekken. Okay. And uh, work on what new is there in the market? How else can we tackle certain problems? Is there anything proprietary that we can build? Mm-hmm. So right when I was about to start doing that, I got sidetracked into Zomato. Okay. And the reason why this was interesting was because in, tech, in theory, Tekken was very cool and interesting mm-hmm. but uh, in practice it's just like any other big company right like so you're just a cog in the big machinery there's a lot of bureaucracy red tape and stuff that you really want to do never really gets done mm-hmm. so it's it's like you're always at the brink of something but never really doing anything mm-hmm. yeah and i felt that this early in my career i don't want to be sitting around i need to be somewhere where things happen because i need to put my name on certain places i need to see something to completion and see what fruition looks like so around that time is where uh, a friend of mine approached me and said that, dude, I've since started working with a very cool startup. The guys are very nice. And mm-hmm. you know what? We work out of a flat and a damn pool and we like, <laughs> we're on the road all the time and uh, we drink in office and to a 22 year old, it sounded like, oh man, how is that a job? Mm-hmm. You know? So a part of me that wanted to get things done and the other part of me said that if you don't do this now, when else will you do it? Mm-hmm. Right? At this point, you can take a risk. But but tell me something, I mean, back then, uh, you know, uh, getting into a startup was a bit risky. I mean, not so much now because... Unheard of. 
after I joined. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah. So that happened. I learned a lot in Zomato. I had never seen this kind of work culture before. But it's very the reason why Zomato is such a big cultural name, or you know, in the employment market, is because they essentially created a work environment that you have idealized. Like it's it's utopia. It used to be utopia back in the day. Mm-hmm. Kind of what kind of what Google is these days. See Google. Uh, well, I mean, you hear about Google. I haven't worked there, so I don't know. Okay, I'll tell you what the reality with with companies like Amazon and Google. Right, so there mm-hmm. are two theories. Amazon says, "Screw perks." Mm-hmm. Right, just go to work. Okay. So, put yourself to work, and all the money that I would have wasted otherwise creating a jungle gym for you in office mm-hmm. and <laughs> slides to hit your floor and putting like a foosball table in every corner, mm-hmm. I'll give you that as salary. Okay. All right. Right, so a lot of people. Yeah, some like, people yeah, prefer that. that hmm. Yeah, I don't need all the things and all that shit. Like, just pay me. Hmm. Right. That's one school of thought. The other school of thought is Google. Google says I'll pay you, and I'll also make it so difficult for you to leave. Mm-hmm. With all the trapping, that you won't know where to spend our money. Mm-hmm. Because we'll feed you, we'll clothe you, we'll pamper you, we'll give you the gym, we'll give you the pool, we'll give you the world. Right. The The beauty is that Amazon and Google companies like these also back it up with really good stuff to work on. Mm-hmm. It's very conducive to innovation. So tech companies, most tech companies will have an amazing superficial work environment mm-hmm. because of two reasons: you need to attract the talent. Most techies are suckers for this shit. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, yeah. Have you noticed? It's this is it's not the Airbnb office we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Not the HUL office we're talking about. We're only talking about tech ones. Yeah. So, uh, because of the fact that you need to think, your job is to think. Mm-hmm. There's very little execution. Yeah. The execution. So the way technology teams are, right? There's one team that thinks. There's one team that executes. One team tests. One team deploys. So you need bandwidth. You need some space to think about what's the best way to do things. So that's mm-hmm. why they create these kind of environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reason why I mentioned this and why you went to Google and the Zomato Utopia is. How do you create this in a company that's some tech but mostly sales? Yeah. Right. So they brought in that environment of the fact that we will give you a product to work with that is revolutionary. Number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, we'll give you all the freedom in the world. Number three, we'll pay you so well you haven't seen this kind of money before. Okay. Right. Back in the day, Zomato was a great paymaster. Mm-hmm. Right? Um. Thirdly, they have this one filter when they hire. Which makes it a blast to work there. Mm-hmm. So they don't hire anyone who's not a culture fit. Who's so not a what? Culture fit. Okay. Culture fit means that if Arjun already works there, mm-hmm. and there are seven Arjuns over there, right? Will Sanya get along with them? Of is course, she yeah. of the same belief system? Mm-hmm. Is she going to rub people the wrong way? Mm-hmm. Like, is she able to convince you while disagreeing with you? Of her point without, yeah. Yeah. So they bring in people who cohesively. You know this concept of cults. Cults, yeah, but let's call it a dream team. You're assembling a dream team. Let's not call it a cult <laughs> because then you go on a different uh, tangent altogether. <laughs> I get, I, I, I get what you're saying. And t- tell us, tell us what are the early days of Zomato were like, and how things progressed, and eventually to the point where you basically had enough and wanted to do your own thing. Okay, so. Couple of things happened with uh, Zomato. So early days, uh, I I was 
I was just learning the ropes, right? Because the experience that I came from was, from was very different. Mm. And I really don't know why they hired me. Like, I didn't have the credentials. I didn't have the experience. Mm. I had nothing. Mm. Right? I probably spoke spoke well and that's pretty much it. So, uh, early days were slow. Uh, they tend to... Um, since it was early days for the company also and early days for me also, they were still figuring out. So, the first three months of Nomato, I did nothing. Mm-hmm. And they put me in the content team that you would create menus and put them up. And I'm like, I'm an MBA. I'm not doing this. Please give me something valuable to do. Mm-hmm. Right? And I had my own airs at that point, not realizing how important the work was. So then they put me in marketing. They're like, cool, bro, you don't want to do content, you do this. And after some time, they realized, yeah, she's a good fit for sales. And also the marketing vertical shut down. Mm-hmm. So they were like, okay, can't that in the story. So they put me in sales. Once I got into sales, that's where I found my vibe. Because I love talking to people, mm-hmm. right? And love fact that there is a problem that you know exists but you don't know how to solve it I'll help you solve it Okay. through tools, through my mind through strategy, through execution, whatever so we would start meeting these restauranters who, so in India in, especially in the Indian parlance, restaurant owners are like celebrities Okay. Right? if the restaurant is really successful mm-hmm. right, if people want to go there, the owner of that place automatically becomes hot property Okay. right, so for example in the uh, if you go to... Have you been to social? Of course, I've never been to social. Okay. Yeah. The owner of that place is, called, is a guy called Riyaz Amlani. Mm-hmm. Very, very well known in the Indian startup, tech, celebrity circles, influencer circles, all of that. Mm-hmm. So, it becomes like that. So, you tend to become like the big fish. Right? Okay. So, you talk to guys like that. Uh, you're pitching them ideas. Yeah, they're like, cool, it works. If it works in Pune, I'll take it to Bombay. I'll take it to Delhi. I'll take it here. I'll take it there. And you're like, dude, I'm so cool. Imagine the contacts are. Mm-hmm. Right? So, a lot of the fuel of the Zomato salesperson is who do you know? How well can you converse with them? How good are your convincing skills? And then there is the background of did you meet your targets? Yes, of course. Right. Um, and right. How well is the team doing? So, like, my team was the best performing team for three quarters in a row and once I started leading my team. So, I was like, yeah, it's a sub-career. What else is there? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, <laughs> Zomato is very good with managing your ego. Like, okay. you will very rarely meet someone who is feeling down at Zomato. Very rarely does it happen. Like they make sure that your mental health is proper. And this mm-hmm. is back in the day. I'm not talking now. Now that I don't know the story is, and mm-hmm. I've heard some contrary stories, so I'm not going to yeah, say anything. So that we don't get sued by these companies, we will not talk about that. But uh, carry on with your yeah. story. Yeah, so it was a good fun time. So once all of that started happening towards the end, what had happened was that I had remained at the same level for a long time. Um, and what is what is a long time in this case? I'll explain. So, in Zomato at that time, long time went to quarters. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right? So, okay. people who were peers had moved on to other cities. They were launching new markets. Mm. And they were like, no, Sanya needs to stay in Pune. Otherwise, what will happen to Pune? And I'm just like, yeah, keep someone else, right? Like, mm. It's not something that I want to do. Um, I had asked a few times that, what's the next step? Mm. And they said, the next step is Bombay. So, I'm like, no, not that's Bombay not the next much step. Of a, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's not the next next step. So mm. I got a little disheartened when that conversation happened. And um, at that time, mom and dad were going through something hard. Like, mm-hmm. dad put his money somewhere. It was stuck. A lot of stress at home. Right. I, like, and Zomato had begun cracking down on things like, you need to be in office at 8 a.m. And we're like, dude, this is Pune. It doesn't make up the correlation. <laughs> what will we do in office? Like, we're salespeople, right? Uh-huh. So... I said, 8 o'clock meeting on the field helps nobody. Yeah. Like, Chaiwala is open right now. Mm-hmm. 
So all this shit had started happening. So I was just like, dude, like I need to focus on one thing. I can't handle this and that and that even help. So I took some time off. Uh, I resigned from Zomato. Took some time off. Spent time with dad. Hmm. And around the same time, uh, one of the guys I used to work with at Zomato was like, dude, listen, I've started this social media agency, and uh, I'll handle the sales. But you're damn good with content. Can you take it up? Okay. So I said, how do you know damn good with content? You've never seen me make make it or do anything. So they're like, no, it's just about the way that you're consulting with clients. It translates to that because you'll be able to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, cool. It's not like I'm doing anything else. So I started helping him out, and I got really excited about this idea really fast because this is 2013. Social media was not as big. Then, yeah. Right. There were very few companies that were doing it seriously. Very few agencies that were doing it seriously. So I saw great potential there to capture the market as fast as I could because, as we know, by 2015, 16, it had just become like default. Everyone had. Yeah. So I entered right in the middle of the boom. Um, once we started working together, I got excited. We started setting up the entity, and of course, as it happens in most partnerships, things kind of went awry. Mm-hmm. And he, right now, this is two weeks into it. I've just registered a new company. This is my only source of income. My partners. I remember right? this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm shitting bricks. Mm-hmm. So uh, at that time, there was another firm that we used to share the office with. Mm-hmm. Uh, called Fat Farm. They were a design house. Okay, so they're like, "Don't panic. We'll figure it out because we're complementary services, right? We'll design you do the social media management and stuff, mm. and we'll make it work." So, luckily, as, it, as things were going, if I got a lead for social media, I would pitch them for design. If they got a lead for design, they would pitch us for social media. So it became like a symbiotic relationship, and both our businesses started to have the same exact lenses. Okay. With one to accept it here and there. So we're like, they might as well just merge. It is, why, why should we like it's doubling our taxes it's doubling our expenses we might as well just merge and make it work that it goes together so we tested the partnership out because now I'm scared of it. <laughs> once bit and twice shy mm-hmm. so I took 11 months to kind of verify that this is going to work there is some sort of rhythm is the market accepting it um, vetting all of the business models and everything and then we merged in the end of 2014 mm-hmm. yeah 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 2014 oh, it's been 7 years <laughs> yeah so since then, we uh, so so as you can see, it wasn't really part of my plan to start a business. It's never it wasn't my plan to go to Zomato. Mm. These things have happened to me, and I've been very lucky to be in the right place at the right time and that I could be one of these uh, no, people who have done. You you always had the option of the, you know taking the safe route and uh, you know going for an established company doing the regular nine to five, but you didn't do that. I didn't you know me right? Exactly, but our listeners don't. That's why that's why I'm stressing on it. So yeah, I I'll tell you the, the way that I live my life. I feel okay. What is what's the worst that can happen? Mm-hmm. Right. If you want something that no one else has, you can do something that no one else does. Yeah. Right. So I've I've never ever lived my life by some sort of rule book, mm-hmm. which has much to my parents' annoyance. It's well, it always been, isn't it? But it's well. That's why they can't say anything now. See. Yeah. So kids, if you're listening. <laughs> Kids, if you're listening, prove yourself right and then tell your then go back to your parents and say, I was right. My sincere advice to anyone who wants to do something out of the ordinary mm. is continue to do what your parents or your whoever society wants you to do and do what you want on the side and prove it to them that their method is wrong because the world needs to see your apples to apples comparison. Right? You'll never be able to convince someone that your method is right when you're not trying theirs, you're not trying yours. I mean, you have no results to show this. It's like a, it's an academic argument. Yeah. That 
is the path less taken more profitable do you, do you know that no right mm, there you yeah. go oh, yeah mm. so i didn't do the traditional thing because it never i just wasn't a fit for that i was never a fit for that like mm. it, those opportunities never came to me i never went to them like i've never received after tech and i don't think anything traditional has happened mm-hmm. okay <laughs> all right i think i had, i had one and a half 18 months of this is what the good indian girl does and then nothing that is <laughs> <laughs> okay all right take us forward uh, what happened after that um so once the company started it took on a life of its own like we had leads pouring in we couldn't manage our business we were i was essentially 25 years old at this point mm-hmm. right running a company with 15 16 clients with a staff with an office to manage no idea what the fuck i'm doing Mm-hmm. Right, and for the longest time we didn't have an accountant. Okay. Because we're like, yeah, with fifteen clients, I can do it. Okay. I'm an MBA, right? <laughs> That was my learning and the difference between theory and real world, right? There is, it's one thing to know something theoretically; it's mm-hmm. quite another to work in the real world with it. Mm-hmm. So we had a very bad time with our accounts, very very bad time with finances. And then I realized, no matter what business you're in, you're in the finance business. It doesn't matter what you sell. Right, so you can be as good or as bad as your jo- at your job, but if you don't have a very very strong financial core, and someone who's only looking at the numbers, you are going to fail, mm-hmm. definitely. So by the time we took this step, the person who came in to handle the finances was also handling the mess that I created. Okay. Right, so they had to clean that up, and all of that was going on. And for the for a while, it was going really really well. Like up until 2018, we were fantastic. We were expanding like there's no tomorrow. Opening new offices, new cities. I was a part of the expansion team, so every time a new city had to be opened, I would move there, mm-hmm. set up office, move elsewhere, set up office. Um, so all of this was going on, and I think uh, our work began to get known in the you know. So there is in the startup industry in the in, in India, especially there are layers, right? So there is one set of companies that's like Series A funded. There's one at seed level. There's one three. There's one at angel level. We became very well known in the angel and seed level companies okay. that are just going in for Series A, mm-hmm. right? those kind of brands then brands that were doing traditional businesses but in a modern way so for example someone who is op- like automating interiors like someone who is um, let's say bringing musical instruments out to the mass market mm-hmm. right so we had one section of clients that was technology one and startups the other was um, healthcare and medical then we had consumer goods we had uh, durables So services. So we we had began to make a very good name for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we never actually had any dearth of clients. We have always had a dearth of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. We either didn't have people, or we didn't have clients whose work was manageable. We okay. never had a problem with getting this. Mm-hmm. The problems um, started when uh, the Indian taxation law changed, but our our banking system didn't. Right. Um, the legalities around. tax and fiduciary responsibility in india are so blurred like for example uh, the gst law has no implication on outflows so for example if i raise a bill i'm supposed to pay gst but you're not supposed to pay me the bill i raise mm-hmm. and so at the requirement for working capital became so heavy that unless you were picking up 25 to 30% of your turnover as working cap it was impossible to turn money right right and and that that is what is putting companies in the debt cycle Right, because you pick up that working capital, you don't get your receivable. Then you take more debt to come up, pay off the previous debt. So mm. it's essentially that kind of a trap. Mm. So once that started happening, I realized that this is not the business I want to be in. Right, this is 
not this space mentally like i had reached the point of of time that i didn't feel like getting up in the morning because i knew that i'm going to get 30 calls a minute i wake up the bell is my payment and i'm going to have to make 50 calls after that that please release my payment so this became my job like all through the day chasing people so that i was like it it's just that's not that's not what we are supposed to be doing hmm we're supposed to be advertisers we're supposed to be in the marketing industry we're supposed to be out meeting people getting shit done creating ideas innovating but apart from that i was doing everything mm-hmm. so a very deep seated sense of dissatisfaction kind of settled in like i would wake up with a pit in my stomach every day and that's it's this dark it got very dark very fast uh, 2018 19 were very bad for us i think 18 19 were very bad for all service based businesses in india because of the fact that that is when they started to see the impact of what happened in 2017 with gst right because the economy hadn't really recovered from the demonetization so a lot of businesses didn't have money mm-hmm. right so they started crumbling post demonetization before the economy could recover you introduced gst no one has any money right um funding is low but the banks are not releasing any kind of money and all of that was happening so essentially over time we still managed to pull things till 2019 and then i was like buddy i'm not doing this <laughs> i remember it was roughly around this time where i where i came to look you up in bangalore and we we were uh, meeting after a good i don't know 6 7 year period and you had visibly aged by i don't know like 15 years or something you know you just looked Thanks, different man. i'm just saying Thanks. so pulling out Thanks. of that uh, you know the the hole that was dug was probably a good call at that point Yeah, so there was there were two things that you in my head I was like you'll be a failed entrepreneur if you get out of this right now. So and then I thought you should failed entrepreneur anyway, right? Well, what are you doing sitting? I mean, well, so, I mean, it's, tried, it's, I would say. it's a lot to do with the perspective, but mm-hmm. this is what your when your mind is dark, you don't think of good things, right? That's yeah, why my mind. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So yeah, so I was just like, uh, what is more important? I said my, nothing is more important than my mental health right now because that's something I had been compromising on non-stop, right? So I started putting word out in the beginning of 2019 that I might be exiting, mm-hmm. right? But we were with your business, right? You don't want to see it die, so you always keep trying to make that last effort. So till about September of 2019, I was still trying my best that somehow this needs to work out. Mm-hmm. So after I made up my mind in January that I'm not going to do this anymore, I gave it another nine months to kind of see if whatever I could possibly do to minimize the damage is done and uh, manage expectations or create some sort of longevity for the brand. And even if I'm not there, it doesn't die. Mm-hmm. So just for the record, Magic Box is still there. It still works. It still has clients. It's still mm-hmm. being operated. Right. It's just that I'm not there, mm-hmm. and that's just for my own satisfaction. So it heartbreaking as it was, I think I cried for a month. all throughout september i was just in tears that what is going on look at my aspirations look at the plans we had and what's going on right now it was just heartbreaking mm. uh and we had just made like a brand new office anyone who would walk in would say this looks like the apple office wow. so we had done such a good job building it up and everything and just to see it slip away i mean uh, I, i know it sounds horrible but i felt so relieved <laughs> okay <laughs> okay relieved i'm like this is your problem now you deal with it mm-hmm. i'm out of here mm-hmm. um so yeah around the time i was i put out word that i'm looking but the problem with being an entrepreneur is a lot of people don't want to hire okay <clears throat> uh, where are her loyalties is she still going to be moonlighting for her 
company. Um, what if there's any legal implication that comes on from her previous engagements right, right, here? Right. Mm. Um, is she going to be able to work under someone because she has been the one keeping the team so far? Um, does she work well with the team because all she's had to do so far is direct? She's not actually have, had to contribute. You know, because but, but who CEOs told you all are this? not... Who told you all huh? this? Who told you that these are things people are... Uh... Interview. Interviews. This is what I found out during oh. interviews. Will you be able to work under a team? People actually said to... that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not going to name those companies right now, but you know these companies. Yeah, I know these companies, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know them, your listeners know them, the whole world knows them. Yeah. And okay. the kind of retarded questions that have come my way are just like, uh, are you sure you're not doing this just to get a break and then go back to your company? I'm like, just how stupid you think I am? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. What if, what if, uh, are you, did you leave because you're planning to have a baby? Is that what's on your mind? Oh Was it difficult to you know, have a business and have a child? What do you think I'm going to do here? If I have a child, I'll have a child anywhere, right? So, yeah, it's ridiculous the kind of questions so I've received are these, during are these that men time. asking you these questions? Are they women as well? Like, what's, what's that like? It's, uh, the stupidest questions are from the men. Okay. The women ask me more conniving questions. Like, like what? Is this something you're doing to supplement your income? Okay. Because the market is down. Because their businesses are also down, right? Yeah. So they know, they know the reality and they know that entrepreneurs right now crunch. Mm-hmm. So I just had to tell them that I'm not that badly off, number one. Number two, uh, I don't see what that has to do with anything because any job I take will pay. Correct? Right. So it is going to supplement my income in some ways. What kind of a question is that? Mm. So. There were, there's a mixed bag, like some women are, you know, and being a feminist, I'll say this myself, a lot of us are not on our side, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> okay, okay. Are, yeah, like for example, I mean, a lot of people feel that just talking about feminism is anti-feminist. That if you feel the need to say it, then you believe that we are not equals, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I feel the need to say it because we are not equals yet. Mm-hmm. Right? We are equals as God made us, but we have to shift the scales of society so that both genders have the same playing field. Mm. Right? That's what feminism is about. It's not about men are less important, women are more important. No. Yeah, completely agree with you. It's about, it's, it's about balancing the scales. We're not talking about, you know, that man bashing karo bethi ke, all men are assholes. No, that's not the pitch. Mm. Yeah. Right? So, so a lot of women feel that, no, why are you talking that way? You are an anti-feminist. <laughs> well, people okay. will say what they say. So now, cool, now, now walk us through how, how the move to Dubai happened. What were your, uh, what led you there and what were the doubts you had about moving and just talk us through what happened there. Okay. So while I was looking, hmm. I was having uh, really bad luck in India because the Indian economy was very dumb in 2019. It's, it's bad now. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, wasn't quite as bad, but I wasn't getting where I wanted to get. And I, to be very honest with you, I'm, not, I'm in a better position now to understand where I want my career to go than I was then because mm-hmm. I was mentally very confused. Mm-hmm. That I, I'm coming from a position that has something to do with marketing, but mostly with management, is in advertising, but I've not done any execution. Um, CEOs are essentially supposed to be generalists so that they can manage all sorts of teams. Mm-hmm. Right, so you you can't enter a finance meeting and say I don't know finance. You can't enter a design meeting and say I don't know design. But you don't have to know how to execute it. You need to understand it strategically. Understood. So I had 
I had that understanding. I had no execution level knowledge of shit. Hmm. And I, I don't sit and make the balance sheets. Yeah. I sit and tell you what the unit economics look like, so that what, how much of what needs to be sold, so that you can get some profit from there. And this is how you manage your bottom line. Hmm. So those are the kind of things I did, and they, no one's hiring for those roles, because people who are already in those roles are going to hold on to them like to, for dear life. Hmm. Right. Plus, it's not something you can show on your. I couldn't show it on my CV then because I didn't know how to articulate it. Right. So I was having a lot of trouble in India. Plus, the roles I was getting were damn weird. Like, they're not hiring for management, but uh, customer service is open, and I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it, it is. And around the same time, I had told this friend of mine who's uh, in Dubai for the last so many years, and we've been friends for 15 years now, mm. 17 years now. Uh, that I'm looking, and after spending a month convincing me that I shouldn't leave my own company, he calls me one day and he's like, uh, "Listen, the place where I work at, they are looking for someone in marketing." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Okay, I'll talk to them." So I waited for three, four days. No interview calls have come, and I'm like, "This opportunity is also now gone." Right? Because you have to understand my mindset at that point. Location didn't matter. I just needed to start working mm-hmm. somewhere, anywhere. Right? Uh, so. The interview call came. These guys asked me a few questions, uh, essentially about marketing approaches and strategy. Nothing on the execution part. So I, was, I answered them pretty well. Got a call back the next day. Uh, within a week, I was in Dubai. Wow. Yeah. So how that happened was that uh, my husband and I had decided at that time that very categorically we need to look at stabilizing our lives individually because he was my partner at Magic Box. Mm-hmm. So he said, while I handle whatever is has to be handled in India, and look after my own personal career and this that and the other, you see what you have to do. So we had that understanding that I can go anywhere in the world. Mm. So when that happened, my first concern was my dogs, <laughs> because I have three of them, mm-hmm. and I am the primary caregiver. Mm-hmm. We were in Bangalore at the time. My parents are in Chandigarh, so it's not a very easy transport, right? Like you just take them and put them there, and I can't put three dogs on my parents. Hmm. So one good thing was that Manchu at least said that I'll look after the dog. I mean, you didn't have really have much of a choice. Mm-hmm. So because if I was moving within India somewhere, I'm sure they would have come with me, obviously. Yeah. But just because this was international, uh, nothing could be done. So that was my first concern. Uh, my second concern was, uh, will I be able to work there? I don't even know what to expect. Uh, am I getting paid the right amount? Because I don't know what, what international living expenses are like. I, Dubai is one of the most expensive cities in the world, mm. right? To live in, and even now, like I legit, I've been here for a year. I'm telling you, there is not a place that I've ever lived in, or ever like unless I move to New York mm-hmm. <laughs> or London, this place is very expensive. Okay. Right. So just to give you like, I live in a 700 square feet house. My rent is 80,000. I know. Bloody hell. It's worse than. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 85,000. And it's going to become a lack next year, like when I when I renew. Sure. Right. So from that point of view, it's one of the most expensive places. That was my concern. That am I going to be able to manage? Uh, number two, my concern was um, it's my first time in seven years working for someone else. Mm-hmm. Right. How am I going to take it? Okay. Um, will I be able to adjust my expectations? Will they be able to adjust their expectations? Am I going to be taken seriously? And the worst of all, if all shit goes to hell, what am I going to go come back to in India? Because there I have a husband who's been living alone, managing three dogs for a company that's failed. A lot of baggage, right? Yeah. And uh, so, in the event that I have to leave, what will I do? Um, my first week in Dubai, or actually my first month in Dubai, uh, 
because my friends knew these concerns they didn't leave me alone for a minute it like the minute office gets done we are with you and we'll spend time with you and they never let me dwell too long on what was going on and mm-hmm. dubai is very flashy city so you get tend to like stay entertained mm-hmm. right let's go here let's go there let's see this so for the first 3 4 months you don't even realize that something bad might have happened to you mm-hmm. you're just very enamored by the glitz and the glamour and you're looking around and oh my god so much to shop oh my god so much to see so luckily what happened with me was that i kind of this team that i work with is all exomato people okay so i mm-hmm. wasn't much of a context difference i've never worked with you before uh-huh i know how you guys can know these systems so it was just like falling into the old habit so in my head i've dialed back to 2014 mm-hmm. right so remember when you met me here you said you look a lot younger than you did before and which all is, that yeah which is the basically the first yeah. thing i said when i when you yeah. when, I, when i saw you yeah so my in my head I've, i'm 25 again like <laughs> i i have yeah. lost all context of uh being an entrepreneur and what bad shit happened to me in india and everything because uh, when an opportunity presents yourself the worst thing you can do is not take it yeah right because that's a short short way to fail so the concerns you've yeah. told me are are strictly like professional and and you had your dogs what about just moving to a different country you know because it's different people and i know dubai is uh, very cosmopolitan in that respect but moving to a different country has its own little you know it's uh, it's intimidating in a in a manner so to speak what yeah, what is that but like dubai not that far number one the yeah. biggest advantage of dubai is it's not that far mm-hmm. so the flight like i was telling on for flight time from bangalore to delhi is the same as the flight time from bangalore to dubai that's true yeah and half an hour here and there so mm-hmm. you don't feel like it's going to be such an effort to, i i can actually do a weekend trip to india mm. if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic i would be able to do it mm. so uh, it's close by most like 25% of uae's population is indian yeah that i know yeah right so it's basically like moving to the best part of india imagine gurgaon but clean <laughs> <laughs> and and less uh, gurgaon people yeah Less Gurgaon people and Gurgaon, but clean and safe, and with a civic system that works. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, understood. So, understood. Mm, see what you mean. Yeah, it's just without without the. Oh, I can't say that right now. Sorry. Yeah, you can't. So, <laughs> yeah, please. We are we are brand new podcast. I don't want to get shut down. Please don't do that. Anyway, I get your point. I get your point. I get my point, right? I get your point. Huh. So if so, if somebody has to Dubai for people who are listening, Dubai is a very low risk. High risk moves are Europe, US, South America, Southeast Asia. Those are high risk moves. Mm-hmm. This is very easy. So, yeah. if if a person has to work in Dubai, what what all documentation do I need? So, if you want to work in Dubai, so Dubai because it's based mostly expats works on something called a resident visa, mm-hmm. right? Which your employer gives you. Okay. Right. So, let's say you start working in a company. The company is responsible for. getting you registered with the uh, emiratization body um getting you your visa getting you your resident uh, id and all of that so um what documents you will need are your passport right you will need your post graduation certificate mhm because that decides what kind of visa you get right right and that's it not bad so yeah so if you can give them the passport that you are from a certain country they know how they already have it that part is done all the rest of the process is then done here because they have their own setup with the mm-hmm. indian embassy right yeah, yeah, so yeah. they basically verify your passport from the indian embassy 
get you registered in the i think it's called the body of memorization or something it's called out here so they get you registered over there mm-hmm. um you are given something called an emirates id yeah which is like your it's like your holy bible out here. for anything you need your emirates id as long as you have an emirates id you can get a phone a house uh, a car a bank so account social security number or aadhar number or something like that yeah like aadhar does shit in india right like well, this actually yeah. works yeah that's true okay understood this actually works okay so uh, that's what you need if you plan i think your dog required more paperwork to come to dubai yeah yeah my dog's paperwork i shit you not is a manila envelope full of 100 pages like it's like right He required a lot more paperwork than I needed. I actually came here with a quarter suitcase. I'm not even a half a suitcase full of stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm in such a hurry to leave because my tickets came like tonight and I left in the afternoon tomorrow. I didn't even pack properly. Half my shit was in India. And like I was actually thinking, what am I going to wear to work tomorrow? There's nothing in here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've we've covered uh, you know startups and starting your own career and switching jobs, switching countries now. You've lived in India for a majority of your of your life, and now for the last one year or about one year, you've been in Dubai. Talk us through some of these very uh, obvious differences that you've noticed in one living and the people around you, the ease of working, the the work ethics, things like that. Well, so um, don't kill me for what I'm about to say, but I know that you know this is true. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, in environments like. where i am and where you are you know there is a nationality based culture okay for example indians get paid a little bit lesser than of course the goras yeah right uh the people of color don't get paid as much as the indians mm-hmm. like pakistani get paid lesser than indians yeah. also yeah right filipinos get paid lesser than indians mm. okay so that's the kind of setup that it is but it's very behind the curtains you don't feel it right the way people behave and they talk to you it's all because it's decided by the taxation in your home country so these laws are not made because of i am indian you are french no mm. it's not that a french guy is paying tax in his home country yeah as I'm an indian sure. i'm not hmm. yeah that's right, right? that's yeah. where they so it's it's not to do with that mm. the second thing is that they have decided what manpower they want for what kind of work so for example let's look at blue collar jobs right if they bring a gora to do that they have to pay them five times the amount because he's paying that much money back home yeah he gets paid that much back home but if you bring in the in people from the indian subcontinent to do the blue collar jobs they're still much better off than they were back in india of course yeah yeah right correct so that's how they plan these things so most of the are the, like the taxi drivers are either from like India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, one of these countries, right? Most of the people in real estate are Indians, Pakistanis, Arabs. Mm-hmm. Most of the people in technology are Indians, <laughs> Arabs. Everywhere. <laughs> Indians are everywhere. Okay? Uh-huh. So, like in luxury retail, you will not find any, hardly find any. Mm-hmm. In uh, so it's basically whatever your country is really good at, there's a place for that kind of work here. I like that. Right, and mm. end up setting there. The ease of work is because of the also because of the fact that a lot of the Westerners have brought the work culture here. Mm-hmm. Right, they come into office at eight a.m. They leave by four p.m. No one says anything. They're okay with that. But in the same office, we'll enter. Indians will enter at ten, mm-hmm. and they'll work till ten 
because that's our work culture we are known for this sort no, of not having a life stuff, right? <laughs> yeah like it's i am praying to god that no one else is my boss thinks it's perfectly fine to message me first thing on a weekend morning at 12 at night at 5 in the morning mm-hmm. it's cool like this is fine and your boss is your boss so, is indian so it's up to you to define your boundaries you can message me whenever you want i will only reply to you after 10 am yeah Right. You can message me whenever you want. I'll only deliver it on a Sunday, like which is our first working day. Mm. So it's a lot to do with that. What I've noticed the maximum amount of change that an Indian will feel when they move here is the quality of life. Okay. Right. So you don't have to struggle to get basic things done. When you take a house on rent, for example, your electricity is set up by the government. Mm-hmm. Your phone lines are set up by the phone provider. Your internet is set up by the internet provider. You don't have to do anything. Okay. Right. So the minute so they have this. Uh, What's it called? Yeah, they have a system here called Ijari. Ijari is like uh, renters insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay, so every house has an Ijari. The minute you sign your Ijari, your electricity is activated, your phone is activated, your internet etc is activated. So you don't have to worry. And the Ijari department tells you, like three months in advance, that your Ijari is about to expire. Are you planning to continue with this house or are you planning to shift? Right, right, right. You know, mm-hmm. all you have to do when you move to a new house is transfer your Ijari. Mm-hmm. So I'm like. It's absolutely no BS, right? Mm-hmm. You want yeah. a cab, you don't have to say that I'll not go to Andheri, man. Like I'll only go to. that cooper is that that's not happening here mm-hmm. um there is not you're not bumping into people at any point public transport is ace mm-hmm. did you when i go in the metro at any point no we didn't no, we right? didn't but we we saw it but yeah it looked ace yeah it looked yeah it's like if if you have time on your hands it's great but i can't like even want to say this and this is uh, this is probably uh, not true in india anywhere i would have preferred to take the road than the train in dubai because the roads Right, so it's essentially like quality of air. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, it's a it's you a know, seaside town. When I moved here, the first two weeks, my nose was burning because I'm only clean air. Never felt it. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you there, but again, it's a seaside town, so obviously it has its benefits and stuff. But anyway, you know. Yes, but it gets as fuck also. That's true. One of yeah, one of the things so. you told me when I was there was mm-hmm. that eventually your plan is to use Dubai as like a springboard to head off to. Uh, greater pastures Europe. greener pastures like uh, yeah. the west the uh, europe the americas and whatever the world and yeah. had had anyone else told me that i would have had my doubts but the fact that you said it i was like she's going to do it i know it yeah. i know that she's going to do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, a lot of people do that mm. a lot of people do it um so there are two exits from dubai that i have discovered so people either go to canada and get a pr there okay I mean that's also the exit from for every country. If you want to go to Canada, right? We'll do that from Amritsar also, but okay. Yeah, why you won't want to live in Trump's neighborhood is not my. I don't understand that. So <laughs> okay. So that's not. So that's one thing that people do. Hmm. Another thing that people do here, which I love, is that they save up so much. Like just because you have deep pockets, you don't live like that over here, right? The beauty of Dubai is in saving. So it's a very expensive country, which is why. So for example, I live at. not to brag or anything but i'm living at 40% of my salary okay my expenses are 40% of my salary hmm. right oh that's different that i spent whatever i saved on getting this girl here mm-hmm. and uh, now that i have applied for a driving license they're literally sucking my blood by the way it takes 5000 dirhams minimum mm-hmm. to get a driving license and how much is 5000 dirhams in indian a lakh oh boy okay i don't even yeah, think i paid anything no, for they have to license. do this see they don't tax you right mm. I have to make money somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, a, a that be the the you need to be very careful with because the minimum the average speed of driving in Dubai is one twenty kilometers per hour. So you need to be super trained and super careful, and they need to ensure that. So all of that jazz. Yeah. Uh, the fines in Dubai are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like jaywalking fine is eight thousand INR. You can't cross a road if there's no zebra crossing. Which is I, I I'm all for it. Tell you what, I'm all for it. It, it I think it needs to come in India as well at some point. Yeah, that's the only way people obey the law. You just got to so, just got to find absolutely. them. That's it. I think that's where people listen to. So there is this. Uh, they have trams here, right? So yeah. if you ever block the path of a tram with a car, the fine is thirty thousand dirhams. Bloody hell! Which is oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so you see a tram and you stop there only, right? No, bro. Yeah, you go. Let's you go. fast. Just get get out of here. <laughs> yeah. So um, like. For driving, like even if you apply for a license, you have to do forty hours of driving with the instructor to qualify for a test. After which you are tested. Hours. Yeah. Man, so I hard. have, I have to do forty hours. I have done two hours out of that. So I have another nine weeks to go. Okay. No, I have another eight weeks to go. So you do four four hours a week. Mm-hmm. Right. So they, this city is something else. So once you like. So a lot of people like going back to what you were saying. They go to Europe from here because a lot of companies, European companies, have their Middle East and HQs here, mm-hmm. right? So like HUL's Southeast Asia office is based out of UAE. So you know you'll kind of get into that, and they'll send you somewhere. Amazon has a big center here now. Middle Eastern companies want to start expanding elsewhere. So if you're working in a company that has, like for example, we just launched Canada. Mm-hmm. We're launching Cyprus. It might happen that my company might only send me there. So it's it's that network that I you know see, like in, if you're in India you will end up going to the US. I mean you know, we are doing so much offshore work for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that kind of understanding. So but what I was telling you about people save so much 
that what they do is they buy property in cheaper countries like in eastern europe or indonesia mm-hmm. right and they start their own satellite working situations because they have so much money saved up like i can actually start a marketing consulting firm sitting in bali like who's going to stop me I have all the contacts from here. Yeah. I have the funds to market myself. Why not? So and the tech is available. So why not? Why not? Yeah. Like actually, between both of us, Indonesia is coming up as a very big remote working hub. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are quitting their day jobs and setting up, staying in like huts in Indonesia, working from co-working spaces, living the good life, eating healthy, working out. It's beautiful. Like I think, I think that's pretty much where uh, the future of working, working, you know, the working, working is is yeah. going to end up. You know, it's going to be more about uh, mental health and less about you know pummeling people till they are basically, you know, ready to drop dead. Sanjay Kapoor, no, no, we've taken. What population is the way it is? People are going to be working. Like <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, but I hope things change. But Sanjay Kapoor, we've taken almost one hour of your time today. Thank you so much for your valuable, valuable insights. For a guy like me who's Red never Red. worked on this, uh, you know, has never, I'll probably never see this side of the world. But thank you very much for explaining all this to me, and it's been a really enlightening conversation. Mm. You were saying, you were saying, who's going to listen to my life? It's going to be boring. You're a bad idea. You're going to lose all your followers. What? This is, dude. This is stuff everyone, maybe not everyone does, but still, it's okay. Nobody does it. That's that's my point. Everyone talks about leaving the country and starting their own thing. If you have done this in your lives, please comment on his podcast so he can improve his content. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Sarah. Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Yeah.